If you're going to do lease options, do them legally. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. This is the Virtual Real Estate Investor Podcast with Vincent Polisi. Buckle your your seatbelt and prepare to learn how to legally make six figures investing in real estate with no money, no credit check, and nothing but a computer and internet connection. Learn how you too can begin generating buyers and sellers for free today and why you're only two calls away from making a $10,000 or more payday while never leaving the comfort of your home. And now, your host, the virtual real estate investor, Vincent Polisi. All right, guys, here we go. Coming to you once again from sunny Asheville, North Carolina. Absolutely glorious day. Headed home, back up the mountain, and wanted to go ahead and get some additional quality content out to you guys based on some of the requests that we have had for this information. There is a tremendous amount of incorrect, inaccurate information being sold by a number of the guru shills regarding lease options. Lease options are not the holy grail of real estate investing or uh, doing deals with no money and no credit despite how they are positioned. Lease options, if you have not listened to the prior episode, 006 can cause you a world of hurt. And we're going to go through all that and show you how to do lease options correctly in this episode and when to do a lease option. This is a question that rarely ever gets asked. People are so focused on getting an option fee and making money and doing something very simplistically that they very rarely ever ask, when is a lease option a good deal for the tenant and option E. When is it a good deal for the uh, optionor and landlord or seller, depending on how you have it structured? When is it a good deal and why would you use a lease option? These are things, unfortunately, that never get taught in any of these guru show courses you guys are taking as to know what type of strategy to use based on what type of deal, based on what the benefits are, is it a win-win, is it legal, how do you do it the right way, how do you maximize your profit and revenue while maximizing the benefits for all other parties. These are things that never get brought up. It's all about, oh, you know, knock somebody's head off and make money and move on down the road to the next deal. That's not how you have longevity in in business uh, because that kind of stuff typically will end up coming back to bite you. So let's get into this real quick. Don't have a whole lot of time here on the way back, but we'll cover as much of it as we can. And I apologize for any excess noise here. I made a mistake and didn't shave, and the uh, microphone is rubbing up against my face and going, getting all scratchy. And I'm sure a couple of my cohorts like uh, Brandon will be sure to bring this to my attention on Facebook since I'm the uh, sort of the beard Nazi with telling guys to shave so they look professional. But you got me today, Brandon. Okay, so lease options. Let's first talk about when do you do a lease option. A lease option is typically going to be a very bad deal for somebody that wants to purchase a home. Hang on a second. 
Okay. So lease option, typically a very bad deal for somebody that actually wants to buy a home. Okay. They're done left and right because I guess they're perceived to be very easy. I've done a ton of them myself personally. And once I sort of understood how we could do things in a much better way, we immediately shifted gears to doing actual bona fide sales through owner finance agreements, whether it's a contract or deed, uh, land contract, land trust, subject to, you know, whatever. But lease options are not the holy grail of real estate investing, guys. They're not the holy grail of, um, you know, no money down, no credit qualifying type deals uh, where you don't have to worry about anything like that. They, they just aren't. In most cases, they're very, very poorly. And I'm talking about, let me, let me qualify this. Uh, so it makes sense because I'm talking about residential lease options right now. I'm not talking about master lease options on multifamily. I'm talking about a residential lease option where you're going to option a property and lease the property to someone who's physically going to live in the house. Okay, This is what we're referring to right now. So when is it a good deal for that person? It is only a good deal for that person under the following two scenarios. So pay attention. One is the person is moving to the area and they're not sure if they're going to like the area. They want to purchase a house, but they may not want to purchase that house and they may not want to purchase that house in that area because of, could be anything, could be commute times to work, could be they, you know, they don't know the caliber of the area. Is there a lot of violence and criminal activity? Is there a lot of noise? Is there, you know, any, any number of things? If they're in a situation where they're unsure about a location, okay, or genuinely unsure about whether or not they want to buy a home, or genuinely unsure about whether or not they actually want to buy that particular home, there's better ways to structure it than a lease option, just as an FYI, if that's the case, then it's not a good deal for them to do a lease option, all right? If it's an investor, Okay, investors can do lease options, and they can be fantastic deals because we know what the what the game is, how things are, how things work, and they can be absolutely fantastic deals for us if we feel like there's going to be upside potential through appreciation. But we're not sure, so maybe we want to option the property and, and lease it, and or get a sublease on it, so we can get somebody in there toting the note. Okay, so we don't have to pay for it, but then we also have the ability to experience. The upside potential of appreciation could be a fantastic deal for investors, okay? But for the person living in the property as a single-family residence, it's very rarely a good deal for them, okay? Except for those three scenarios I mentioned previously. Now, what typically will happen is somebody wants to buy a home. They don't qualify for conventional financing. And so someone will tell them, okay, why don't you just go lease option a house, right? Because it's like the... You know, categorically the pat answer for if you don't qualify because the average person doesn't understand the intricacies of seller financing, owner financing, how to put the deal together. They have a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings as it relates to you know deed conveyances and uh, legal title, equitable title, all of these things. And so the easy way out becomes a lease option. Now, here's what happens. Okay, And if you go back to listen to episode 006, you can hear the whole story about how uh, Scott Boys lost everything by getting sued for a very poorly structured lease option contract that goes through all the things I'm going to cover here in a second. He had them all in there. Okay, So if the intent, and this is the key, if the intent is a sale, that's really the desired intent of you 
and of the buyer or the tenant slash obstinate. Let me clarify this. There is no such thing as a tenant buyer, just so you guys understand, okay? No such thing as a tenant buyer. I, I mistakenly made that, coined that term back in 2008 when I was training Joe McCall on how to do lease options because he couldn't understand the, keep it straight, the difference between option or an option E. So I had to dumb it down to the point that he could understand who I was referring to. When I was referring to an option E, I was talking about a tenant buyer. There is no entity legally as a tenant buyer. You're either a tenant or a buyer. You are not a tenant buyer, okay? This is how you get messed up on contracts if you make the mistake of naming the entity a tenant buyer because you've just disclosed the fact that the intent is a sale and therefore you have created a disguised sale. And that is not what you want to do. So no such thing as a tenant buyer. You have a, on a lease option that is properly structured, here's how it goes down. You have a standalone lease agreement with a tenant and you are the landlord. You have a standalone option agreement with the optionee, who is also the tenant, but from an entity perspective on the contract, that person is strictly an optionee. You are the option or, okay? These two agreements must not reference each other. The lease agreement does not reference the option agreement. The option agreement does not reference the lease agreement. We do not commingle uh, terminology and we do not commingle documents when we're engaged in a bona fide lease option. It's a standalone lease. It is a standalone option. The option E has the option to exercise and purchase the property for a pre-identified price for a pre-identified term, the option term in the contract. That's it. Very, very simple. Other things you do not do. You do not provide rent credits. Rent credits are a red flag that the intent is once again a disguised sale because now what you're doing is you're providing principal balance reduction okay, on the purchase agreement. You've identified the intent as a sale. You want to give them credit for a portion of the rental payments that they're making. You have a disguised sale. Do not put rent credits into your contract. I used to do it all the time. Lenders used to allow it with no issue. They, they get crazy about them now, especially if they're outside the market. In many cases, they won't honor them even if it's in the agreement. And if you get somebody that's in the property that knows what they're doing, now they've got equitable interest in the property, and that is not what you want if you're doing a legitimate bona fide lease option. Okay? So no rent credits. It's not how you do it. Other things you do not do so you can ensure that you are not creating a disguised sale. Do not shift owner responsibilities on to the tenant. In other words, they cannot legally be required to handle maintenance and repairs. Those are owner's expenses and owner's responsibilities. When you do this, once again, you're adding another nail in the coffin to the argument of a disguised sale and the equitable interest argument. And this is not a scenario you want to get involved in in court with somebody that knows what I know 
if you've put together an improperly structured lease option, because here's what can happen when you do this, okay? A person can get in, stop making payments immediately from month one. You go to evict them to get them out, and you go before the judge, and they bring up equitable interest. They bring up a disguised sale. Now, the magistrate can't hear the case. He doesn't have jurisdiction. Because there's a claim for equitable interest, it has to go up to the state or superior court, depending on what state you're in. And a foreclosure process has to take place. Is that what you want to get involved in on a lease option? That's the risk you want to take for doing a lease option, that you have to foreclose on someone and then evict them, and all because you didn't do it correctly to begin with? And oh, by the way, let's take it a few steps further so you understand reality. Once you have the bona fide disguised sale in the eyes of the IRS, you now also have put yourself at risk for Dodd-Frank violations because you actually do have a sale you have equitable interest, and this is the last scenario that you want to get involved in when you're trying to put together just a vanilla lease option deal, okay? So don't convey or transfer over owner responsibilities to a tenant. A lot of people will tell you to do it, tell you it's okay. I'm telling you right now, it's not okay. Look up your state uh, landlord-tenant act, and I'm just telling you, I'm not aware of any state out there that allows a landlord to require a tenant on a residential deal, not talking about triple net leases on commercial, but on a residential deal to be responsible for maintenance and repairs, expenses and or hassle factor. Okay? So don't do that. If, you're gonna, if you want to do that, do a bona fide sale. Do it correctly. There are ways to do it. You can do it with a land trust and not have to worry about, in, in uh, if it's done correctly anyway, not have to worry about foreclosing because you haven't conveyed uh, real property. You've conveyed beneficial interest, and you've got a personal property, not, not real property. So it's a whole different ballgame, but that's a, for another podcast. For a lease option deal, again, standalone lease agreement, standalone option agreement. They do not reference each other. There are no rent credits being applied, so you don't have any claim for, for equitable interest or a disguised sale. You're not con- conveying over, not conveying, but you're not uh, um, making as a requirement of the lease owner responsibilities onto a tenant in the form of maintenance and repairs or anything else for that matter, taxes, um, homeowners insurance. Be very, very careful on your wording because everything needs to be lease specific and option specific, not purchase and sale specific because you do not have a purchase and sale agreement or a bona fide sale if you're doing a legitimate lease option, okay? So if you're one of these guys that's out there doing these lease options, you need to understand and be aware that, you know, you've likely been taught to do them incorrectly and illegally, which is seems to be the way these guys like to teach uh, people how to do things. And it's all well and good until that one time, okay? Until that one time, there's a problem. And then go back and listen to episode 006. You can understand what that one time does and how it can absolutely destroy your life over a piece of paper with words on it.
because you either didn't understand or what you were doing or you did understand and did it anyway, thinking that it was never going to come back to bite you and haunt you. So do it correctly. Do it legally. If you're going to do a lease option, it needs to be a good deal for the person that's going in there. It needs to not be because they want to buy that house. Okay, That's not the reason to do a lease option. If, you're going to, if somebody wants to buy that house, there are a variety of contract structures that you can do all with their own uh, variances on risk mitigation for whatever you're concerned about. You can do contract for deed, subject to, land contract, bond for title, grant deed, land trust, installment sales contract, tons of varieties of owner finance agreements that you can do to actually have a bona fide sale in compliance with the IRS's installment sales contract guidelines, which provides a ton of benefits for the buyer that tenants don't get on a lease option, namely the interest of property tax deduction that they're paying. So lots of different ways to do it correctly and legally. So again, when you analyze a deal, don't try to make it fit into one box. I don't ever look at a deal and say, okay, this deal has to fit in one box. It's got to be a contract for deed or it has to be a lease option. Everything has to be a lease option. That's not what you're looking for. You're looking for a deal. You have to be able to see the deal, have to understand what the options are as far as contract structures are concerned. And then you have to understand how to put them together correctly so that you're creating a win-win for all parties, not just for you. It's not the definition of a good deal. Definition of a good deal is it's got to be a good deal for everyone. Otherwise, it's not a good deal. You want to put together good, solid deals that are a good deal for everyone under the pretense and auspices that pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. We want to be nice, happy, fat little pigs, making money, eating all the time. That's what we want to be. We don't want to be the, the, the pigs that get slaughtered, okay? Not what you want. And that's what happens with these guys that get um, greedy, stupid. When they put together these, these bad deals on these bad contracts that they bought from these clowns that shill these courses, understand and be a master of your craft. Get educated so you understand when to use these types of agreements. Like I said, most of the time on a single-family residence, a lease option is not a good deal for the tenant. They just aren't. Unless, like I said, they're not clear on whether they want to buy the house. They're not clear on whether or not they want to live in that area. Okay? There are other things that you could do for people in those situations. Just as an FYI, if somebody doesn't know if they want to, but they may want to, you know, they can always be provided with a right of first refusal. They can be a straight-up tenant... And then also have a right of, right of first refusal for a purchase later on down the road. Okay? So a lot of different ways to skin the cat. It all depends on what the actual scenario is. But if you're one of these guys that are out there doing these lease option deals because people say that's the way to do it, you know, take a look at your documents, take a look at your process, take a look at your clients, your tenants, and determine whether or not... These are actually good deals for them. See if your contracts hold water. I mean, are you doing what I talk about? Are you giving them rent credits? Shouldn't be doing that. Are you commingling terminology and talking about one contract and the other contract? Don't do that. Okay? You making them take care of maintenance and repairs? Don't do that. Tell you something, it's, it's a profit center for you today because you don't have to deal with it up until the point in time I think it's a courtroom. And then, brother, you better look out. Okay, because now, you now you're in a world of hurt because you didn't want to have to handle, you know, fixing a toilet or whatever, okay? So, 
And by all means, read the Landlord-Tenant Act for whatever state you're doing these things in, okay, so you understand what the, the responsibilities are of a, of a landlord and the laws regarding the entire process. You know, don't take the word, like I tell you guys this stuff all the time, vet everyone and everything. Don't take my word for anything. Go, go look it up. Go find out, okay? Do your due diligence. Don't just take somebody's word for something that this is the way that it is because you paid money for a course. Whether it's mine or anybody else's, don't do that. Vet everything. Make it proof up, okay? That's it, guys. Lease options are fine. They're great. You can make a lot of money with them. I have. They can be fantastic deals in the right scenario, but it is not a one-size-fits-all for somebody that doesn't qualify for a mortgage that wants to buy a house. In fact, it is the worst deal for that person if their true intent is to buy and your true intent is to sell, which I would go out on a limb and say that 99% of the time, lease option deals, that's exactly what the intent is on both par- by both parties. You want to sell, they want to buy, and you're doing a lease option because you feel like it gives you some type of um, greater risk mitigation because you think you don't have to foreclose. And that's all wonderful up until the point in time that they make that claim for equitable interest because you've got a poorly structured contract. Okay, So make sure you're doing, on the, doing, doing them the right way and for the right client based on their situation, not strictly because... You took some course, and they told you it was okay, and it's a way to make money, and maybe you've made money with it before, and that's okay, too. Just make sure you're doing it right, guys. Do it legal. Dang. Do it legal. It's not hard. And if, it's, if a lease option is not a good fit for somebody, don't do a lease option. Do something else. Land trust. Contract for deed. Whatever. Straight up lease, depending on what their situation is, okay? Very, very simple. Hope this helps. Thank you for listening to the Virtual Real Estate Investor Podcast with Vincent Polisi. If you found any value in this podcast, please use our Give to Get method and take a moment to give us a five-star rating in iTunes and your favorite podcast service so we can keep giving you excellent episodes of real content you can use to profit today.